everybody, welcome to Shadow Work Library. On today's episode, we have my good friend Jen on again. Jen has been on the show before, so we won't get into a lengthy introduction, but I will say that working with Jen now for a few years very closely in a professional relationship and a close friendship, Jen has this amazing superpower of genuinely seeing people without all of their baggage that like we have it's difficult for us to look past as being the person with the baggage, right? And in this kind of work, so much of it is seeing the divinity and the perfection of the person that you're working with so that there's none of this underlying resonance of victim consciousness or hero consciousness. You know, your clients can feel as if you're experiencing them, not as they're broken, because if you experience them like that, then they'll stay there, right? So that's how powerful thought forms can be. Oh my gosh, I'm already getting ahead of myself. Jen hasn't even said anything yet, and I'm being a terrible host. So <laughs> welcome to the show, Jen. Oh, thank you for having me again, Jess. This is this is a nice little treat. I get to see you, chat with you. It's fun. Yeah, definitely. So for people who don't know who you are, would you briefly tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I find that question so challenging. Like, who am I? I'm a human being. There's so many facets to that. But in a nutshell, uh, I'm a mom of two tiny humans making their way in this world with me. And I'm a lifestyle architect. So I offer coaching style support to my clients uh, through their changes, transitions and transformations in life. Beautiful. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic that is at the forefront of so many of our lives, and that's navigating big transitions. We're always in a flux of transition since we can be different versions of ourselves every day, every hour, but we're going to be talking about those big transitions like going through a divorce or quitting your day job to work for yourself. So Jen, I wanted to pass the mic back over to you. Let's break down these big transitions so we can understand the different pieces of it. Why are they so difficult for us to navigate? I think one of the big pieces that keep people stuck and struggling and resisting change or transitions or transformations is we're not really taught in any big systemic way in institutions that we regularly attend, school, work, family systems, things like that, how to do that. And we're definitely not shown how to do that well. And we do it often, moment to moment, day to day, year to year, decade to decade. And like anything, if we're not practicing it, we're not aware of it, how do we get really good at it? How do we master this thing that is a constant part of our lives? You're right there. I mean, we hear as parents, I'm not a parent, but I hear it that from parents, giving your child a routine is really great because, well, kids love to know what's coming next. We're just big kids, and so we love to know what's coming next. And so when we encounter these giant transitions like going through divorce or changing your job or moving across the country, we don't know what's coming up. And this uncomfortable relationship with the unknown starts to spark, and that's when we can become more or less a, a less developed version of ourselves. My own personal experience, my professional experience has shown me that it usually starts with a lack of clarity and understanding of who we are in the current moment. Who have we grown into? Who have we become? What's real for us right now? 
And because we're not taught or encouraged to do that regularly, most of the people I work with are confused and stuck and spinning. They want something, they just don't know what it is because they don't know who they are to make that contrast to move in that direction. Um, so I think that's where the first bit of that gets a little bit of, it gets a little bit tricky for people is they, the identity piece. Well, who am I currently to then know who I want to become, whether that's a parent, whether that's going from a corporate setting to an entrepreneur um, endeavor, going from relationship, being a friend to, you know, leaving a friendship, leaving a family dynamic. There seems to be this discomfort around even when you've identified you want to become this different version of yourself to consider the things that will have to die that you actually enjoy in order to make that happen. I find that with myself when I'm choosing to commit to something that's a long-term goal that's going to take dedication and commitment. One of the shadows that shows up for me is, or one of my values that shows up that I'm afraid that I'm going to lose is my freedom. And I think specifically around getting into business for yourself, that can come up quite a bit. It's like you have to choose more or less the thing that you're willing to compromise on. And I think some of it is like exploring what that might be once that happens, right? It's like we don't have to kill off a part of ourselves and never let it come back again. You can explore with choosing different life paths. Yeah, and that's stepping really into the unknown, trusting yourself. I think people get caught in wanting to have this perfect plan. They want to see and know, but there are too many unknowns. Going into business, okay, so I have this rough idea that I no longer want to work in an institution like primary health care, uh, and I'm going to go in and start my own business. I know I want that, but what does that really look like? How can I start painting that picture, feeling that dream when I don't know it? I've not had that experience yet in my life. And that's where working with coaches or being connected to a really good community, uh, co-working spaces, networking opportunities. So you can start having and exploring those conversations with people so that you can start putting those pieces together. And it's really taking that first, next, right step for you. It's knowing that there's a transition or a transformation coming and I don't have to have the whole thing perfectly etched in my mind to know that I can take this next step, which is joining the co-working space or joining the networking group or connecting or even just asking the question to a fellow entrepreneur, you know, hey, how did you end up here? What was something really important and uh, instrumental in that transition? So looking for and sourcing those, those allies, those resources. That's a really good piece of advice there to talk to people who have already done it to see how are we liking the life that they're living? What are some of the challenges that they're going through and some of the wins that they're experiencing? Is this really something that I want to do? How did you know that? So you left your day job a few years ago. How did you know that it was the right time after contemplating it for a while? I couldn't and wouldn't choose to do the same thing again like it was taking a toll on me going into the office doing the thing that I once loved without the the passion the desire the the excitement that I once had and I knew that about myself I, I knew enough about myself that I was okay with change and transitions and you know being the phoenix in the fire losing parts of myself and recreating myself. 
this was particularly challenging. There was two particularly challenging experiences in my life. One I've talked about on your show before was leaving my marriage. And then the other one was leaving this job that I did love. I worked with amazing people. I had great bosses. They created this environment where I could learn and grow. I could no longer deny, though, that that was not enough. There was more for me. And it was a disservice to my clients, my colleagues, the organization to remain there with the energy that I was bringing into it. It's like knowing that I'm here and I'm doing a good job and I, you know, I'm getting along, I'm doing the things, I'm moving projects forward, but not with that energy that I once had. That's when I knew, like, I was really, really scared to do the other thing, but I was more scared to continue doing what I was doing, feeling the way I was feeling about it. This isn't a business podcast, but I think that this is an important topic to cover because so many people listening are leaving their jobs or are hoping to one day. And some have already pulled the plug on their day job. I was trying to find the right word for that. Yeah, I guess pull the plug would be, I don't know. Maybe that's a little insensitive. <laughs> what would be a better one? Like pulled the pin. They're also violent. <laughs> they decided <laughs> They decided to leave their day job and are starting their own thing now. And I think that one of the hesitations is not feeling resourced, not thinking you have the skills or just straight up not having the skills. And so as somebody who, I mean, you were a, a true healer in the job that you were in, you were working in healthcare. And so you're doing similar work now, but on top of that, doing it in your own style and having all the other responsibilities of marketing and sales and admin and all those other things. Um, how did you come to a place where you felt brave enough to seek out the resources you needed or to learn some of these things on your own? I think one of the bravest things I ever did was reach out. I reached out to you. I reached out to my brother, to family. I spoke with other entrepreneurs that had a similar flavor of business that I was curious about. And I spoke and I was vulnerable. I shared, like, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. I've worked so hard to get to this job, which was, you know, the benefits, the pension, the flexibility. Like, I got there and still it wasn't enough. So being vulnerable and saying that to somebody and sharing that fear and receiving what they were sharing back, which was a lot of encouragement, a lot of reality checks, you know, it, it is exciting to be an entrepreneur and it is flexible and it is a hustle and it is this. And, you know, so really being able to onboard and sit with and share that experience with somebody else was was important for me. Beyond the day to day of now being a business owner, one of the things I want to touch on and ask you about is how you preserve your energy working with clients every day and the business side of it. And then also being a mom to two little ones. How do you preserve your energy for them and show up for them just as bright as you do for the people that pay you? I take the time. I One of the luxuries that making this transition into entrepreneurship has afforded me is creating a pace um, of life, a way of being in the world that really aligns with me, that allows me to pause from okay, work mom, work hat to, to mom hat to friend hat in community, um, you know, participant. I have the pace and I have the space to make those transitions. So when I'm with a client, 
am with my client for that hour or however long our session is booked for. And I ground myself. I have rituals. So I ground myself before a session. I transition after a session into what's next. I was really honest with myself. I really thought about that energy conservation, what I could give to my clients and what I needed to give for my kids and for myself to maintain my, my well-being and my equilibrium in the world. And I had to start making decisions based on that. So I could have 10 new clients a month and I would earn this and that would be a metrics of success and reward for that. But knowing myself, 10 new clients a month, energetically what I give to my clients would not be sustainable. There would be some give at some point. And after 10 years uh, in public health and then 10 years before that in public service, uh, I was... I was not willing to compromise the energy and the energetics that my kids received from me, that it was time now that myself, my kids, my family received that in equal portion, and if not in some degrees more. So it was starting to look at other ways to measure the reward. So financially, it's a different situation than a salary position. But when I'm standing up on a mountaintop with my best friend after hiking for, you know, a walking meeting, it's like, okay, this is, this is a measure for me. Knowing that I can transition from a client into parenting with this smoothness and this ease, that's worth something. And that's worth more than the previous checks and balances I had of benefits, pension, uh, somewhat job security. Would you mind getting into some specifics around how you actually do this? So like calendar wise, time wise, how do you actually logistically change hats? I sat with it for a long time. I considered what is it that I wanted at this point in my life? I'm no longer 20 and no longer early 30s, let's be real. Um, (laughs) So I'm a different person. Who have I grown into? Who have I expanded into? So sitting with that for a long time, morning routine, evening routine, writing, you know, doing my my cards, chatting with people, hiking lots of, I, I like to be out in nature to think and process. So really getting a good sense of that, really feeling that alignment deep within, asking myself questions, waiting for the answers to come, sit with those answers, see how they resonate. And then it's doing the thing okay like I want time in nature I want to move slower in my life so to minimize that urgency where that limbic brain might get activated and I make poorer choices or maybe feel more scattered and frantic I didn't want that anymore I wanted to have that pace and that energy so taking all that into consideration and then nuts and bolting it okay so these are my expenses this is how many clients I would need to achieve this to maintain this and energetically I've you know trial and error I was able to figure out how many clients I could schedule in a day Um, my ex-husband and I are divorced so I have these two evenings that I could take clients to for accessibility so it's really getting strategic and it always comes back to checking in with myself does this work for me do I need to make little micro pivots along the way and then considering that so For me, I've blocked off my schedule in such a way that I can do morning drop-off when I have my kids and I can do pickup 
on the nights that I have my kids. And it's built right into my schedule. That's 30 minutes of decompression, breathing, maybe a, a walk around my property or go into town a little earlier to decompress and, and think about what am I going to do? How am I going to show up for my kiddos tonight? Like, what do we need to do? Like there's lessons or maybe we have to go grocery shopping, whatever it is, really getting a sense of that so that I can start managing and planning and moving into those with more intention than I was previously. There's so much exploration around organization that needs to happen at the beginning. It's crazy. I, wow, your, your process sounds really smooth. Working with you now, you've got it figured out pretty well. It took me a solid five years to figure that out. (laughs) I knew that when I first started on my own that I would have a problem with overexerting myself. And that might be a common thing. Just from my experience, I knew that that would be a thing. And so every year I would get a passion planner. You know my passion planner. I used to never be without Mm -hmm. it. This is my first year where I don't have it because I've actually figured it out now. But I used to write down everything that I would do throughout the day. So Sunday to Sunday, it would be all these things that I wanted to get accomplished. And then I would highlight them with, is this self-care? Is this work-related? And I would realize that as the year went on, and I wish I had done these reflections more on a monthly basis, but my whole planner would be like green with work. And then I I would change the color coding to go from self-care to like, okay, well, this is one client in green and this is one client in pink. And basically I would just over, over exert myself to the point where I wanted to explode my business. I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. I wanted to work for the post office or forever 21 and just like, give my schedule off to somebody else who's more responsible. But it took me five years to understand my energy needs. And it's just crazy. So um, if anybody is in this transition period, pay attention to the way Jen did it, not the way I did it. (laughs) In fairness, I did a similar practice for much of my life. You know, I was young, I was out of school, I was ambitious, and I wanted to work and I wanted to prove myself and it felt good. And when I transitioned into entrepreneurship, I wasn't just transitioning my job. I was transitioning my life, my way of being. I was like, okay, I'm going to basically, and I think I used these words with you and Jeff one night was, I'm going to burn it all down (laughs) and I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to keep some of the bricks, some of the wood, but mostly I'm going to rebuild for who I am now. And every, it's like, every brick that was put back in was like carefully considered. Is this going to expand me, elevate me? Is this going to be good or not for my kids, for my self-care? And again, going back to that urgency, I wasn't in a rush to rebuild. I gave myself permission to not know so many things. Um, I, I was fortunate. I was able to set it up in such a way when I was leaving my work and selling a house that I I created enough space where I was like, okay, so I can take this time to slowly cultivate my new way of being in the world. And I was able to stick with that. I I gave myself permission to breathe and, and sit and practice the new way of being because it's very tempting to go back into urgent mode and money mode and job security mode. And I practiced this new way 
and I got it right a lot of the times. I sometimes oopsed and overjammed my schedule and then I would be quickly reminded, oh, I'm energetically off with my kids when my schedule's cramped. Stop doing that. Okay, lesson. Go back to the drawing board. Practice that. When you're working with clients, one of the things that came up for me as you were saying that was this dominance in being more in your masculine energy or your feminine energy. And I think it's common to be very in your masculine when you're when you own a business. Even in this awakening space that we're in where we are so tuned into the feminine as being such an important part of life that's not really honored as much as the achievement and the doing and the generating, you know, that being and being a good mom and being present to your kids and your family and your friends. So do you find that you have clients that are more on one side or the other? Yeah, I think when most people experience struggle or stuckness, it's because they're not in harmony with themselves, their masculine energy, their feminine energy, whichever way that might slide for them. When there's harmony and peace within, you're, you're finding that, that balance, that harmony for yourself. You're in it. Um, and people are usually stuck, unclear, unsure when they're, they're finding their way to myself or a fellow coach or a therapist or a counselor. There's something, there's a rub, there's a grind, something's happening there. And uh, yeah, yeah, feminine energy, masculine energy is coming more and more into that conversation. So how does discipline play a role with both of those types of clients? One type of client who may be more in an unhealthy feminine, not really getting anything done, staying a little bit too too spaced out, too unmotivated. Um, and how does discipline play in with your clients that are more in that masculine of really achievement-oriented or very do-do-do? It's providing a space where they can safely explore why. Why are they heavily in one energy over the other? Again, getting clear. Why is it the way it is? Why do I not feel balanced? Often for somebody like myself, who's spent a lot of time in my masculine, is my personality type, my values, um, external reward systems. They really played into that. So I grew into that and it proved beneficial for a lot of my life. Whereas when I was in my feminine, that wasn't as safe for me. That wasn't rewarded. And it didn't even feel safe for myself because I didn't know how to explore that and nurture that side. So yeah, exploring it, sitting with it, understanding the stories, the narratives, the experiences in our lives that have us playing more into one than the other, why we over-identify with our feminine or under-identify with masculine or vice versa. And then asking the clients who know themselves better than anybody when you create that safe space that they can go there and asking them, what do you think is something you can do to move you more into this harmony or this balance with the opposing energy? What feels safe for you to do? I would love to rewind a little bit and talk more about that process. So if you have a client or anybody who's listening and they know that they have something that they want to do or a way of being that they really desire and they don't know exactly what's keeping them from doing that. You take them through the process of figuring out, okay, when did that belief crystallize? Is that right? You kind of 
you take them back to a moment in time where that story was solidified in them? Yeah, so with story work, I will have them write out however, whatever comes to mind. So there's there's prompts about family and relationships and work and all these different prompts. And then they just write what comes up. And then as we go through them and they're reading me these stories or these memories, because the memories that affect us, impact us, are the ones that stick and then are recalled 20, 30 years later. And as they're reading through that, you can hear, I can hear, you know, the breath catch in their throat or their shoulders start to creep up. There's something there. So there's these physiological cues that I can pick up on and then lean into those gently with the client. Okay, what's coming up for you around that? And really just asking open-ended questions. Tell me more about that. And people will go there when when you're asking and they're being invited and they're simply being witnessed without judgment. You know, tell me about that. Let's explore that. Oh, what's coming up for that? And then slowly as they're, you know, upregulating, we can then downregulate. We can relieve some of that tension that's caused around that. We can look at it as the current version of ourselves with a little bit more objectivity and distance between it and write literally and figuratively, write a new story of that experience. What effect does it have to have on you currently, if any at all? I know that a lot of people listening have gone through therapies. It's just a natural way of life as we're exploring who we are and why we are the way we are. And there are some people that can get stuck in over-processing. So they, they have gone back to this memory, the remember of their mom and something weird happened. And now that's a, a limiting belief that really has them stuck in that. How do you help people or how can they help themselves from over-processing a memory and just then now remembering it and now reliving it? It really depends on the the client and their willingness and again respecting their pace of of moving through or navigating those memories. The important piece is for a client to get honest with themselves, to go to the places to be vulnerable and share, which I think doesn't always happen in therapy or you know processing groups and things like that because there's this piece that people sometimes feel like they have to hold back this little guilty shameful embarrassing piece that they'll just hold back a little bit so they're not fully showing up they're not fully sharing that story their experience of it and the impact that it's had on them so it's like this you know this like little pebble like so they've cleared out most of the the debris there's just this little stone that remains And as long as that little stone's there, they're carrying it around. And sometimes people can, you know, carry it around quite peacefully. But other times it will, like a rock in your shoe, it'll just start to bug you and wear at you and show up in other spaces until you really get to it. Yeah, we were talking about vulnerability and communication the other day between you and I and how prevalent that issue with being vulnerable even in the place of talking to a therapist how that's still there where do you think that stems from this this wanting to keep a little piece of yourself back even though you're actively doing the work I think because we still have a a fear a fear that will be rejected or that we're putting ourselves out there to be seen and somehow 
we're going to be rejected. We're not going to be part of the group or appreciated or respected or received. And I think that, you know, turn that projection into a reflection, we're still not able to accept ourselves or see our worth and our enoughness in that. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that you're really great at is celebrating wins. And if we were to backtrack a bit to go into that entrepreneur conversation again, you do this really well. You acknowledge, hey, I did something great, even though it's small and nobody cares and nobody saw it. Like you have a practice for that. Could you explain (laughs) to us the benefits of celebrating wins and like, God, why don't we do that more often? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I am a celebrator. Um, We're not taught to do that because it seems boastful and we don't want to get a big head and we don't want to be seen a certain way by people. And the reality is we are programmed to see those things for ourselves. Like we know when we're, we're missing the mark. We're super hard on ourselves as humans. We don't need more of that. We need more of the, the wins. We need more of the reminders that we're not all just messed up, shadowy, broken beings. We're whole and we're perfectly imperfect. And within all of the chaos and all of the grit, there are moments of beauty and joy and laughter and fun and reward. So how do we help our little humans be better at transitions than we ended up being taught? Something I practice with my, my kiddos is communicating. Okay, this week, this month, this year, we have intentions as a family. Okay, so you know, Archer, you're going to be eight. Jade, you're going to be six. Mommy's going to be 39. This is where we are. We've been through a divorce and separation, a move. Jima died. What's next for this year? What do we want this year to look like? So mommy's going to be starting a business and Jade's going into grade one and that's French immersion. And Archer, you're going into grade three and they're continuing with French and you're starting horseback riding. Okay. So this is, you know, our year as a whole. Um, What kind of adventures do we want to have? What did we really like about the last year? What do we want more of? What do we want less of? And really bringing kids into that conversation so that they're getting that sense that life is the micro, the macro, it's evolving. And then in the moments, you know, breaking that down so we get our our overview that we review a few times, you know, okay, this is the week. You're with mommy this many days. You're with daddy this many days. This is what's happening And for me, that helps my kids prepare. They're just aware that something's coming, that there's going to be a change or a shift, and this is how we're going to manage it. So I know that for my kids, the first day that they either are with me after being with their dad or vice versa, there's a lot of reconnection that they need. So we don't plan anything with other people on those days, generally speaking, so that we can be at home and we cuddle on the couch and we... You know, we just really do the things as a family that connect us so that they're they're grounded again. Now they're going to be with me for this many days and we, we work through those transitions. And then in the moments, again, this is where pace has been so important for me. Okay, in, you know, 10 minutes, we're going to do this. In, you know, or after lunch, we're going to get in the truck and we're driving to town and we have to get these things. So preparing them and involving them in that. And sometimes there's resistance. They don't want to. 
okay, so let's have a conversation around that. I'm going to consider you. You're going to consider me. Archer, you're going to consider your sister. How can we do this together smoothly, as smoothly as possible? Okay, uh, one thing that has been really helpful, Jeff and Jessica, when they were watching my kids, reviewed Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So we often go back to that as a family, you know, I didn't have a great sleep. I'm tired. I'm feeling a little cranky. You know, okay, then that allows them to give me space or vice versa if they've not had a good sleep. And language, you know, to share their consideration. Like, oh, I don't really want to go to town. I'm tired. I'm still kind of hungry. My tummy's upset. Okay. And allowing them to make some of the decisions for us. They don't want to go, even though that was my plan. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to adjust for them. And also... You know, transitions don't always go well. Revisiting those. Okay, so what wasn't okay about that? Once everybody's cooled down or has a moment to breathe and decompress and reconnect. Okay, what what happened there? What could I have done better? What could you have done better? And then, you know, if it didn't go so well, also, after the fact, what did go well? Okay, so you didn't want that to happen, but it ended up happening. And look, it wasn't... It wasn't awful. There was, you know, a couple bonuses in there that we weren't expecting, you know. So letting them see the way the world works in terms of change and transition and highlighting how they too, as little humans, are transforming. You know, we don't have to melt down every morning before school. We came up with a plan. We made the change. We did the thing. And now mornings are awesome. That's awesome. I love that. There's so much we can learn from little kids about how we can operate as more highly functioning adults. Like I was just thinking about Archer and Jade and how they have their stuffies. Those are, those seem to be the things that they, that anchor them when they're in those moments of upregulation or they're doing a transition that they're not fully enjoying. And I think that that would be cool to explore as grown adults. What are the things that anchor us into feeling that calm. I know breath is something that comes up a lot. Is there anything else that you use or use with your clients to help with that upregulation when something's happening that you're just like not liking? Yeah, breath is the biggest and one of the easiest things they can do. You know, when you're starting to feel that upregulation, anxiety, fear, doubt, breathe. Three big, deep grounding breaths and set that intention. Okay. I'm noticing I'm upregulating. I'm going to downregulate myself, really being intentional and mindful about it. And mindfulness, whatever that is for you, meditation guided or otherwise walking or seated, getting into a practice and a rhythm of mindfulness that you're training So that when you're in the moments of upregulation, you're stressed out about something, a presentation, you can lean on that, that tool, that practice to help you through it. Yes. So breathing, a regular meditation practice, healthy eating, good sleep hygiene, uh, nourishing foods, hydration, you know, set yourself up for the best possible physiology so that you can manage day-to-day stresses, changes, pivots, upheavals. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's just straight up chaos. It's totally unexpected. But if you're feeling good at that basic level, you're going to deal with the chaos and the upheaval much better than you would. Yeah, you're still going to feel the feels, 
but you'll know that you can trust yourself to regulate through it and move through it. There's so many different types of energies to navigate beyond what I learned as a child of happy, sad, hungry, maybe a couple of other things, angry, confused, yeah. right? <laughs> like there's so many things. And energetically, we're getting into a big year. It's obviously been a big couple of last years, but we're getting into another big year in 2022. If you all listen to the last show that I did with Richard Millette, Richard, Richard is one of the most positive, optimistic people I have ever met. Like that is not over-exaggerating. And even he was like, oh girl, hold on to your hat. It's about to be pretty nuts. Systems are crumbling. We're all going through big transitions. We don't know what that is really yet. And so there is this underlying resonance of confusion right now. And that's totally normal. It's a weird place to feel like you're at. But if you can feel safe in your body by doing the things that you had mentioned, sleep, hygiene, good light sources, good quality water, good quality food, if you can do those at the base level, even before you get into the, some of the self-work, because that can do so much to get us balanced and working more out of a place of of love and harmony rather than fear and urgency and um, disease. So I think now would be a good time to talk about our retreat that we have coming up. So this is a 12-month retreat, virtual retreat, where we're essentially diving into the shadow work and so much more that harmonizes with the energies of the cosmos. So I love astrology and I'm fairly certain that a lot of people listening also do. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we're really liking about this new retreat that we have starting in January of 2022 is that every month we're going to be working specifically with the energies of that month. So let's say it's January. Collectively, whether you subscribe to astrology or not, we're generally feeling very determined and excited to want to plan long-term things. And we get our planners out and we set our New Year's resolutions and all that stuff. That's Capricorn energy. People all over the planet feel that. And while that's not the beginning of the astrological calendar, it has us playing into this idea of a new year. It's really neat how it works out. So we're going to be diving into the shadows and the gifts of that energy every single month so that we can work with it and not against it. And one of the topics that we had covered here a bit is communication. So that would be something that we're covering in the month of June, our Gemini month. And so, um, Jenna, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to some of the, the core language upgrades that people would ex be experiencing, just for an example, to see if they'd be interested in joining us for this. Okay, I will chat about core language upgrades in just a sec. I wanted to say, after you were talking about Richard's prediction for this upcoming year and, and the energetics behind that, that can be alarming for a lot of people. They're like, we've just, you know, lived through what we've lived through with the pandemic and the global stuff. Um, don't want to sign up for more of that. What I want to remind people when that comes up is breathe, regulate, ground yourself. And this is where celebrating your wins comes in. You survived. You made it to this day. You lived through it. You can trust yourself look at those things. What did you do? How did you cope? How did you expand? What are some of the highlights and wins in all of that craziness? So that you're arming yourself knowing that you're going into this 2022 with skills 
and more of yourself that you can trust and rely on and lean into, even if it gets a little more chaotic or, um, you know, those energies get a little bit stronger and pull and push on us a little bit more. Thanks for mentioning that. I always forget to bring in the safety back into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a great year. It's a really <laughs> exciting time to be alive. Um, no need for alarm. It's more of a call to arms in some way of just figuring out what you really value. And because the energies are so revolution revolution oriented, what that basically means is there's something that hasn't been working for a long time. And whether that's systems and you want to get into government systems, that could be your thing. But it could be as as personal as what systems in your life are not working for you. So it's such a foundational year. And if you're not doing this work, again, not to be alarmist, but if you're not doing this work and ridding yourself of the systems that aren't working for you, they're going to get rid of them for you. And sometimes that cosmic bitch slap can really hurt. So this it's nice to have some of this predictive astrology in our, in our toolbox to not predict necessarily the events that are going to happen, but just to have some awareness around, okay, this is, this is a year where more awareness around what I desire and what I, what I like is so crucial so that you can start to consciously and proactively build that rather than sit back and wonder what's going to happen. I love that. Yeah. Proactive. You don't have to survive. You get to create, you get to have an impact large or small on the system you choose, whether that's family, friendship, work, like you said, political, schools, you get a choice. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a lot of responsibility. And I like working with people to help remind them that they can handle that responsibility. Mm, yes. So did you want to get into the core language upgrades or did you want to choose another month like October and relationships and um What's in October? Attachment styles. Take us where you want to go. Well, I might be a little biased that I love all of them. All 12 months of topics uh, to explore. Uh, core, core language upgrades, I feel, was a game changer for me. Um, you know, I studied my undergrad, my, my postgrad on behavior change management and human optimization. And 20 years working in in health and, and public service to help people optimize their situations themselves and you know feeling like I was doing a good job I could see people getting you know moving along in the direction they want to go but there felt like there was this missing piece like if only I had this then this would be way easier and when I did core language upgrades vocabulary uh, with the enlisted community it like blew my mind that such simple intentional changes in our language from what is called conflict centric language to architect language can, can help people with change, transition, transformation. And I don't ever remember being taught, you know, about negations and how they make me feel and how they influence my thinking in my mind. I don't remember anybody telling me about projections and how that creates a victim mentality and a sense of learned helplessness. I don't remember the difference between active and passive language ever being mentioned to me as a, as a life hack <laughs> to move more smoothly through life. Uh, so that's a really cool month for me because I get to chat about these 
more or less simple tools to implement that will change your that feeling of stuckness and move you forward and understand yourself better and build that confidence and really guide you from surviving to creating your way of being in this world. I love that month. Yeah, communication is so key. Learning that for me also was a huge game changer. My life looked vastly different after I learned those super simple concepts. But like anything else, it required repetition and discipline and putting in the reps. Also, it's so funny. Now that we know this, we often joke that uh, you and I joke that it's like a curse. Like you can't unhear how much conflict language there is in the world. And I'm like, okay, pink bubble of peace. This is fine. This person just doesn't know about this communication style. But oh, girl, like you would have known. This could help so many problems. It's kind of magical. (laughs) It really gives us this, this tool to rewrite the stories and experiences to be more true for us, which helps us find that peace within. That brings me to one of my favorite months of the month of Piscean energy. And that's all about dreams and intuition. And so that's close to my heart because as somebody who completely ignored my intuition, but knew that there was something in me very loudly screaming at me my whole life to do something opposite of what my brain told me I should do, or my impulses told me that I should do. um, That was a skill that I learned. You can hone just like anything else, just like learning how to write well or learning how to sing. You can learn how to use your intuition, intuition better. So another one of the months that, really falls in well with the conversation that we've been having about transitions is uh, the Taurus energy of May and some of the shadow states of May or of Taurus um, that we may be feeling in May is this discomfort with the unknown and not wanting to do things because you don't know how it's going to feel. The gift states of Taurus is this sensuality and like loving being comfortable, which is a value in itself that we don't always honor. And so Dr. Danielle, this is where she really thrives in helping us understand our nervous system. It's going to be a really fun retreat. I'm excited for you all to join. It's a membership style, so um, nice manageable monthly payments. And some of the things that we didn't talk about, one of the things that we didn't talk about are the community aspect of it. So in your journey, in my journey, we wouldn't be where we were today without that synergy of working with other people and finding people that we really jive with. And things like this are the perfect way to find like-minded humans. Hey, if you're kind of into astrology and you're kind of into self-development, whether you're doing it for yourself or you're actually working with other clients, this is a great collective to be a part of. The Transformation Collective, I want to say that I was talking with somebody and they're like, what's coaching? Why would somebody want a life coach? Why would you work with somebody to help you through stuff? And I was like, well... We legit get instruction and information and education for every aspect of our lives. Here you have three coaches who have an extensive variety of tools that they've tried that work for them, that have worked for their clients, and they're coming and we're bringing it together and we're providing it to who's ever open, whoever is willing. And what's really, really cool about it is you know it's not a course on one thing it's not a course on human design or goal setting it's a course on so many things 
that you can take in little pieces and figure out how you want to integrate them into your life and your way of being at your own pace in a really cool community vibe. So if you guys want to learn more about that, it's open to anybody that's interested. You can find it at transformationcollective.org. I'll put a link to that in the show notes here and we'll be starting in January. So if you're interested in joining, you can sign up now. Um, Jen, to close us out here, I'm going to ask you a question that our friend Zachariah Montgomery asks at the end of his interviews for our documentary. If there's any change you'd like to see in the world, what would that be? I would love for people to believe more and have more faith. You know, like a kid exploring the world, there's possibilities, there's different ways to see things. If you believe, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in those around you, even when it gets hard and gritty and shitty and tough, that there can be more, it can get better. And believing is that sense of knowing what I can do to to participate in that. And then the sense of faith that maybe you don't know all the things you need to know right now, but that doesn't mean that you won't learn it or see it or find it or experience it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. If people listening wanted to find out more about how to work with you or what you do, where could they find you? Uh, They can check me out at jennifermcmaster.ca or they can follow me on IG at jennifermcmaster underscore. Do you want to say that again? (laughs) They can follow me. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Fuck. I'm like... Talk about my systems upregulating there. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to tell them to go to IG, but I feel like I have to. Don't go to IG. Just check out my website, reach out, connect, call, chat with me, and we'll take it from there. It'll be more organic. Hey, it's all part of your system. Yeah, like if everyone's telling you you should and you don't want to, like you don't have to do it. (laughs) Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you more in person in a couple weeks. Oh, gosh, no this week for the process. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I am so excited to be part of the process again this year. Eight days cannot go by fast enough. And I'm not one to wish my life away, but I look forward to this so much. Awesome. Yeah, if, um, I'll post a link to what we're talking about. Y'all might want to check that out. It's pretty cool stuff. All right, Jen, I'll see you soon. You have a great day. <laughs>